Hello, this is Dr. Mike Barnett with the First Baptist Church of Ocean Springs, Mississippi. Thank you so very much for tuning in to our podcast, and I pray that today's message will be a blessing and an encouragement to you. We are engaging our people at First Baptist Church in an emphasis called Who's Your Mission? It is a challenge to personal soul winning and personal evangelism for the year 2023. We've asked our people to ask God for at least one soul to be burdened for that they might go after that soul and win them to the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the theme of these current messages. And I pray that they will encourage you to be a soul winner and go after one soul that needs to be saved now and to know Jesus now. I pray these messages will help you. And again, thank you for tuning in. you to open them up to 2 Samuel, the fifth chapter, which if the Lord wills, we will finish uh, today. Next week is what day? Mother's Day, always a special day. I want to encourage you to take your, to pick up some more of the invite cards we are using to invite people to our worship services. Uh, Cole, we got some out around, don't we? Got plenty. Pick some up and invite your missions to Mother's Day services. We're going to preach a Mother's Day sermon. We won't be in next, uh, next, uh, Second Samuel next week. We will uh, be in another text due to Mother's Day. But what an opportunity uh, for you to uh, invite your missions to Mother's Day. Uh, Mother's Day worship service. And I want to encourage you to do that. Pick one of these cards up and say, this is an invitation to our church. I try to give away three a day, and um, it's uh, remarkable how receptive people are to this. I just say, hey, I want to give you an invite card. And uh, they like that word invite because a lot of times they're not invited and so um, or don't feel invited. You give them this, they'll take it. And the other day I gave one to somebody, and a guy behind me said, I want one. And so that was two for the price of one, and I had my gold met. And so I want to encourage you in that uh, to take the invite cards. And, um, you know, well, we are preaching through 2 Samuel 5, and we are making our way through that. And uh, I want to encourage you to read further ahead. Read along. Don't, uh, uh, don't uh, get behind in 2 Samuel because it builds on each other. Um, chapter 5 is the pinnacle of the history of David. It goes all the way to the top right here. And for a few chapters, down to chapter 6, we see a, a terrible, terrible uh, sinful event in David's life that we'll talk about when we get back to 2 Samuel. But then you have chapter 7, 8, 9 and 10, and you have some wonderful, wonderful uh, chapters that show the blessings of God upon David. And then we come to David and Bathsheba, and uh, it all goes downhill. Life just seems to tumble out of control 
for David. So today I want to start with, uh, in chapter 5 and I want to preach on the subject, count your blessings. Aren't you glad that today you're blessed by the Lord? David was being blessed by God. This is a chapter of milestones for David. And each milestone seems to be just the, the blessings of God upon him. You know what, young people, you're going to live through milestones in your life. Uh, I, I, I'm, still, I'm still young enough to have milestones in my life. You don't ever get too old to have milestone moments in your life. And all of them will bring specific blessings upon you. And it's a wonderful experience to live for the Lord because of the milestone blessings he gives you. Well, David is just getting one milestone in his life after another, and he's being blessed. So let's look at verse 10 where we left off from last week and uh, read just a little bit of this chapter, and we'll talk about counting your blessings. Verse 10, And David went on and grew great, and the Lord God of hosts was with him. And Hiram, king of Tyre, sent messengers to David and cedar trees and carpenters and masons, and they built David a house. And David perceived that the Lord had established him king over Israel and that he exalted his kingdom for his people's sake. First thing I want to share with you about counting your blessings is you need to remember and know the source of all your blessings that your blessings come from the Lord. Let me, let me just do a little exercise here and count for you the blessings that God gave David in this chapter. And uh, then I want to talk to you about the source of your blessings. First of all, there was a new crown. David is now crowned king of all Israel. We considered that uh, the week before last and, and considered how the civil war was over. Bloodshed was over. It was a new day, and the people of Israel came to David and said, We want to crown you king. You've been the one that has been a blessing to us, and we've rejected you and fought against you for seven and a half years. The war is over. We want to give you the crown over all Israel. And what did they do? They crowned him king. And so a crown was a blessing. Second blessing David had was a capital. He took the city of Jerusalem. You remember that, that great, great uh, event where he took Jerusalem through the tunnels. He gave him a new capital. Also, another blessing we see is his conquest. Verse 10 says that David grew and grew and grew. Now, that is a general statement picturing for us the overall rule of David. You know, when Saul was king, he just had a little bitty bit of what God had promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and the Jewish people. When David became king, he conquered it all. As a matter of fact, you see on the map, you see within the shaded part that expanded shaded part is David and Solomon's reign, and Solomon even expanded it a little more. David would soon acquire, within his 40-year reign, he would acquire every bit of the land promised to him and to the Jewish people from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. By the way, when David's greater son, King Jesus, comes back, they'll get it back. But he got it all. And he acquired it all, the conquest of David. It was a blessing from God. Saul just got a little bit and uh, just a small circumference compared to what God really wanted Israel to have. You know what? You get godly leaders who have people after, have, have a heart that's after God. God will bless a nation with his promises. 
And so David's uh, conquest. And then we read in our text about David's companion. Here comes this Gentile king of Tyre. That's ancient Phoenicia. It's modern-day Lebanon now. But up there in the, in the northern part of, of that strip of land along the Mediterranean Sea was this king by the name of Hiram. He was a huge trader and a merchant and, and had ships and had great wealth. And uh, he came down and volunteered to build David a house. David and his companions, the Gentile kings around him, began to recognize that David was the king that God had established, that Jehovah had established. And they're starting to recognize that. And they're starting to calm down a little bit. And they didn't ever do this for Saul, but they did it for David. He has the blessings of companionship. Even the Gentile kings are building him a house. Isn't it something? And they took the big cedar trees from Lebanon and they put them on barges, sailed them around and took them to Joppa and then carried them across to Jerusalem to build David a house. What a remarkable blessing that was. We considered a little bit about Hiram last Wednesday night, but today we will tell you he was a blessing of God to David and to Solomon. And then we also read in this chapter, God began to bless him with children. Aren't children a blessing from the Lord? And God began to bless him with children. And so it's as if uh, Samuel, whoever wrote this uh, part, Samuel didn't write it, he was already gone, but whoever wrote this section of 2 Samuel is helping us count the blessings of David. And the Bible says David perceived that God had blessed him. So David was counting his blessings. You know, that's a great exercise for you to do is to count your blessings. We need to count our blessings today because it seems like there's just a whole lot of bad news and it overshadows what God has done for us and God does through us and with us and and the blessings we have in Him. So I want to encourage you to count your blessings. It will help you overcome any discouragement you have. Years ago... Uh, in another church, my previous church, a lady came to me in, in our church, and she says, I'm given to depression. And I asked her if she had, uh, you know, been to a doctor because sometimes that's a, a, a medical issue. And she said, well, I have. And, and she said, but I'm just always discouraged, and I'm always depressed. And I said, well, get a journal. Go buy you a journal. And on the first page of that journal, right at the top, God the Father. And then flip over some more pages and empty pages and write God the Son. And then flip over some more pages, empty pages, and write God the Spirit. And every day, sit down and record the blessings you receive from the Godhead, from the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And uh, she went away and came back a few months later and said, I did just what you told me to do, and I write down five blessings a day now And she said, I have overcome discouragement. She says, I'm the most happy and joyful person. My husband doesn't even recognize me when when he comes home. She said, I'm happy in the Lord now. So you got to learn to count your blessings. You got to learn to count your blessings. Let me tell you something, folks. If you count your blessings, you'll become a thankful Christian. You'll have a little bit more of a smile on your face. I won't even recognize you when you come on Sunday morning. Oh, that's good preaching, whether it offended you or not. But anyway, I want to tell you, you got to learn to count your blessings. Let me tell you three things about the blessings of God to help you count them. Number one, God brings his blessings with him. That's what David said. David, in verse 10, and the Lord God of hosts was with him. 
You seek first the kingdom of God, and he'll meet your needs, and when you seek him, he'll bring his blessings to you. So God always brings his blessings with him. Wherever God comes in, there's always going to be a blessing. The second thing I want you to know about blessing is a thankful heart knows where his blessings or her blessings come from. James in chapter 1 verse 16 says, Do not err, my beloved brethren. In other words, don't get this wrong. Don't make the mistake. Don't be in, in error about this truth. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. Every good and perfect gift come from above the Father of lights in whom is no variableness of turning. God does not change. And we need to recognize with a thankful heart that our blessings come from God our Heavenly Father. And so remember that. And then also remember something else about counting your blessings and share in, in your blessings is this. Always share your blessings. David, in verse 12, perceived that the Lord had established him king over Israel. He knew it wasn't anybody else that did this. He knew it was God that did this. And he had exalted his kingdom for his people, Israel. David knew that his blessings were for the people of Israel. Do you realize that your blessings or for somebody else. Don't become a stingy miser with your blessings. That's what Hoosier Mission's all about. God's given you the blessing of salvation. You're supposed to share it and turn your white ball into an orange ball. That's what you're supposed to do. Share your blessings. That's what tithing and giving is all about. God blesses you. What do you do? You bless by giving. And, and, and you can't out-bless God. Just remember that. You give, he's going to give you more. Amen? He's going to give you more. And so your blessings are to be shared. You get encouraged, you need to share that encouragement. You get some help, you need to share that help. What do they call it today in the world? Pa uh, pass it on? Pay it forward. There you go. Pay it forward. Shows you what I know. Pay it forward. And you just, you just share your blessing. If God's blessed you, it's for somebody else. David realized that. He says... I'm not king for David. God has made me king and blessed me for the people of Israel, for others, for others. We're going to see this attitude real clear in chapter 6. And uh, it, it's a sad narrative, but in chapter 6, David wants to bless the people of Israel. And he, he blesses them. And so I want to tell you, you share your blessings. So those three things and counting your blessings... God brings his blessings with him. You get right with the Lord. Seek the Lord. Don't seek his blessings. Seek him. If you seek his blessings, you might just get the blessing you seek. But if you seek God, you're going to get the blessings he wants to give you. So you might be shorting yourself by just looking for a blessing. Seek God and you'll get all the blessings he has for you. And he always has more for you than you can ask or imagine. Isn't that a wonderful God we have? And then a thankful heart, be thankful. Uh, do not err in that. Be thankful. God, these blessings come from you. And then your blessings are not only for you, they're for others. That'll help you count your blessings. But the second thing I want to talk to you about in terms of your blessings 
or the fact is the fact that there is a danger that comes with your blessings. Preacher, how in the world can blessings be dangerous? God gives them to me. God's not going to give me anything that I um, uh, count as a danger, that's going to be dangerous, that's going to harm me. Well, it's not God that does it. It's how we perceive our blessings or how we use our blessings that can be dangerous. If you look down in verse 13, after we see David is counting his blessings, knowing they come from God, it says in verse 13, And David took him more concubines and wives out of Jerusalem after he was come from Hebron, and there were yet sons and daughters born to David. And these be the names of those that were born unto him in Jerusalem, Shammuah, Shobal, Nathan, and Solomon, Ibhar, and Elishua, and Napheg, and Japhia, and Elishama, and Eliada, and Eliphat. Aren't you impressed? Preacher, did you practice reading off those names? No, because I know whatever I say is going to be fine with you. <laughs> Amen. I knew an old preacher in these Texas, whenever he came across the name he couldn't pronounce, he'd say hard name. <laughs> and he'd get up and quote scripture and you hear hard name in there. I told him he ought to do hard name. It sounds like Hebrew, you know. Anyway, hard name. Well, I said a while ago that David's children were a blessing to him, and now I'm talking about danger. Well, here, dear friends, I want to share something with you. The children, his children were not the danger. His children were indeed a blessing to him. There's no doubt about it. I mean, these, these children did bless him. Matter of fact, one of them by the name of Nathan, if you go to the Gospel of Luke and read the Gospel of Luke, you see his name in the genealogy of Jesus through Mary. And then if you go to the Gospel of Matthew, you find the name of Solomon in the genealogy of Jesus through Joseph. And Solomon would become the king. He would become the heir to, his, to the kingdom. And Solomon would grow up and not only be a blessing to David, but he'd bless us. He gave us three books of the Bible. He gave us the Song of Solomon, he gave us Proverbs, and he gave us Ecclesiastes. When Solomon was a young man, he fell in love with a Shunammite girl and wrote the Song of Solomon, Young Love. And then when he was a middle-aged man and started having kids, he wrote the book of Proverbs to give his children wisdom. And then when he was an old man, he looked back over his life with great regret and he talked about, he gave us the book of Ecclesiastes. So they are a blessing, and they wind up blessing us for generations. So the problem wasn't the children. The problem was David acquiring multiple wives. Do y'all remember a sermon we preached here from chapter 3, I believe it was, on David and his wives? And how David violated the principle laid down in the book of Genesis that marriage is for one man and one woman for one lifetime? Can you imagine if David lived today what his marriages would have looked like? But he moved to Hebron and he became the king and he collected wives. And now, seven and a half years later, he's king in Jerusalem and he's getting more wives. You remember... 
the fire ant, uh, fire ant uh, principle. I almost said fire ant festival. There was a little old town in South Texas close to where I grew up that had a fire ant festival. I never went. I went to the rattlesnake roundup, but never the fire ant festival. I was scared to death the fire ants. I didn't mind the rattlesnakes, but the fire ants would get you cold. And the fire ant principle is this. You can be in the brush or in the woods or even in your backyard, and you could be standing in a fire ant or have part of your foot in a fire ant hill, and those little boogers are going to be crawling all over you, over your exposed areas and non-exposed areas. And then they're not, you're not going to know it. And then the boss fire ant, general fire ant, is going to wiggle his antenna and send out a signal, and they're going to light you up all at the same time, and you're going to do a dance to get them off of you. Anybody in here been set up on by fire ants? Well, that's how sin works in your life. That's how this sin of polygamy worked. He violated Genesis. He violated Deuteronomy 17 where God said, you, one man, one woman, especially you kings, do not hire, do not marry these wives, multiple wives. They'll bring you down. And so David, he, he married these wives for, for several reasons. One, he wanted them. And second of all, political expediency. He married one that, that was not a Jewish woman, and we're going to look at that later on in 2 Samuel, the problems it's caused. But I want to tell you, these fire ants, the fire ant principle got him, and it looks good right now, and everything looks fine. Oh, look what he's getting away with. God must have forgotten what he said in Genesis, what he said in Deuteronomy 17, but God does not forget his word. And you break God's law and you break and violate God's principles, I want to tell you, you may seem to get away with it for years, but one day, one of those sins, their antenna and is going to light you up. And that's what happened to David with all his wives. It was his downfall. This was his besetting sin. And it became a habit sin that tripped him up. Don't let sins become a habit in your life. And I want to tell you, most people battle with a particular sin. It's as if the devil knows the way we think. It's as if the devil knows just your propensity towards things. He knows how to tempt you. And what we do is, is we yield to that besetting sin from time to time or always, and one day it's going to fire in us, if you don't mind me saying. Well, let me share something with you about that now. Hebrews says, lay aside every weight or sin that easily besets us. We've got to learn to put it aside. Now, your besetting sin may be different from mine. You know, there's a thousand things I've never been tempted to do. I've never been tempted to gamble. I've never been tempted to drink. I've never been tempted to smoke. I've never been tempted to do a thousand things. I've never been tempted to uh, this or that. But I won't tell you what, there's a few things I've been tempted with. And there's even fewer things that are a constant battle in my life. And I'm not ashamed to stand up here and say that. I'm honest to stand up here and say that. And if you were honest, you'd say the same thing. 
But the difference might be is you don't even think yours is sin. But if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you'll know it's sin. You'll know your struggle, and you'll know how to handle it. We'll talk about it in just a few minutes. But I want to tell you, David had this besetting sin, and the fact is it's smack dab right here in chapter 5 surrounded by all these blessings. So the danger was David saying, look at here, I got a crown. God's blessing me. Look at here, I've got a new capital. God's blessing me. Look at here, I'm, I'm winning victories and claiming the land and conquest. God's blessing me. Yes, he is. Now look at here, I've got all these children that are being born. Look at here, God's blessing me. And David failed to realize that his blessings are not the measure of his spiritual life. You don't use your blessings to determine whether or not you're right with God. David was not right with the Lord in this area of his life, but yet God was blessing him. You say, well, preacher, I don't know about that. Well, you should. I just told you. Let me tell you something, folks. Most of us are going to walk out of here and get in a vehicle that runs, and we're going to go somewhere, home, somebody's house, or to a restaurant, and we're going to sit down and we're going to get a meal. And we're going to eat more than most people have to eat. We're going to throw away from our lunch more than most people in the world have to eat in a week. Wouldn't you say we're blessed? That's going to happen to you today. But I want to tell you what else is going to happen. There's a lost man in our town. I talked to him the other day. He's a wealthy man. He's going to eat better than all of us. He's going to throw away more food than all of us, probably with a bunch of us put together. His home is a whole lot nicer than any home I've ever been in. He's got many cars, and he seems to be blessed but he's turned against God in Christ Jesus. Now, let me ask you something. Do his blessings mean that he's spiritual? Or does it just mean that God is gooder to us than we deserve? And I did bad grammar to get your attention. That's what it means. God is gracious to us. So our blessings are never to be used to verify our rightness with God. You might not be right with God and still be blessed. You're breathing, aren't you? Amen. Your bank account's still intact for the time being. And so I want to tell you, there's a danger to our blessings. We get, we get callous to them. We, we get to ignoring them, our, our, our habitual sins, and we get callous to our sins because we're surrounded by the blessings of God. That's how God operates. He's gracious. He's got, we sang about it a while ago. But let me share with you what three things about these habitual sins and besetting sins that are the fire ant principle. They'll come back and haunt you and they'll hurt your blessings. But look at here. First of all, habitual sins relax your inhibitions. David took wives. He had Michael, then he took Abigail, then he moved to Hebron and he took some more. 
Seven and a half years later, he's in Jerusalem and he starts taking on more wives. And he's got a whole bunch of them, a bunch of wives. These women are single, young women that he marries. But it won't be long when his inhibitions are so lowered that he enables himself to take another man's wife while he's living and beyond that commits murder with it. His inhibitions were lowered. Besetting sins, if we're not on guard and we do not deal with them and struggle against them with all our might, they are kind of like alcohol. They will lower our inhibitions. David found it very easy to commit adultery with Bathsheba and murder her husband. It started with multiple wives. See, he violated God's principles and God's law in terms of marriage by doing whatever king did, all the culture did. Abraham did it. Why can't I do it? And ere long, he commits adultery and commits murder. His inhibitions were lowered. Second of all, habitual sins corrupt your influence. They corrupt your influence. His kids would be influenced by David's view and behavior in terms of marriage. It will never work out. Polygamy never worked out in Scripture. Never did. As a matter of fact, you don't see it in the New Testament amongst the Jews because they realized that that's what... You boil it down, that's what brought the downfall of their nation and took them into captivity. Solomon's wives turned his heart away from the Lord. David had a few. Solomon had 300 and 700 concubines. David had wives and concubines in moderation compared to Solomon. See, our sins, what happens is our habitual sins that we yield to and yield to and yield to, what we do in moderation, our children will do in excess. And that's what happened. See, David murdered Joab. What did Absalom do to his brother? Murdered him. David took on wives in great disrespect for women. What did his son do? Raped Tamar, his half-sister. You see, so we need to be very careful. A third principle about these besetting sins is God keeps his word. Now, this is where it gets tricky. This is where I don't understand God. I'm thankful for it. I'm, I'm blessed by it, but David had this besetting sin that nobody thought much of, including him, and surrounded in all of that are all these blessings. God just keeps blessing him. Should I go up and fight? Yeah, go up and fight. I'm going to bless you. Got all these wives, but I'm going to bless you. And, and so it's very confusing. God had promised that David would be king. God had established that Jerusalem would be the capital. God kept his word. His, his word being kept was not determined by David's behavior or David's actions. God keeps his word. 
And if God gives you a promise, I want to tell you what, he's going to fulfill it. If he gives it to you without condition, it's going to be fulfilled without condition. Now let me share something else to you, though. We need to take heart that God keeps his word. He will bless us despite our sin. But we also need to know that he will judge our sin. He promises to do that, too. And David would experience both. And so habitual sin. There's a danger to our blessings. Let's mark it good. But then I want to talk to you uh, about acquiring the blessing of victory. You know what people need today? They need victory. A lot of people need victory over despair. I'm hearing a whole lot of despair these days. Preacher, what's happening in our country? What's happening in our country? And I'll try to encourage and because I'm I get despairing too. I get discouraged too when I look around and see what's happening in our country. But then I realize, just to be particular about that, I realize technically, biblically, in reality and eternally, this is not my country. My country's not built with hands. Amen. I don't have a George Washington who passed who crossed the atomic. I have Jesus who crossed the heavens and went to the cross. Amen. So that's my home, amen. And more, more and more I see how this one's falling apart. I look forward to that home. We need victory over despair. The answer is Jesus. A lot of people need victory over fear. They need Jesus. Jesus is the answer. But also there's victory over sin, that besetting sin you need. The answer is Jesus. So let me give you some keys to acquiring the blessing of victory. We begin in verse um, 17. But when the Philistines heard that they had anointed David king over Israel, all the Philistines came up to seek David, and David heard of it and went down to the hold. And the Philistines also came and spread themselves in the valley of Raphaim. And David inquired of the Lord and saying, Shall I go up to the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hand? And the Lord said unto David, Go up, for I will doubtless deliver the Philistines into your hand. So the first thing you got to do is you got to pray. If you want to acquire victory, you got to pray. When the enemy comes against you, whether regardless of what it is, that besetting sin that you battle with, that despair, discouragement, temptation that just comes out of the blue, you need to pray. See, David is being blessed by the Lord. He's got his capital. He's got his conquest. Things are going great. And the Philistines show up. Have you ever wondered where were the Philistines before all this? I mean, when Saul died and there was civil war in Israel, wouldn't that have been a good time, you military men, wouldn't that have been a good time for the Philistines to rally and go after both of them when they're fighting one, one another? I mean, that would have been a great time. And the Philistines don't show up. They don't show up until David is king over all Israel. See, it shows us a lesson. I think God was being gracious to Israel at that time because the Philistines could have wreaked a lot of damage. But I think that God was being gracious and protecting them. Maybe the Philistines says, well, they're fighting each other. We'll spare our men let them kill each other. Maybe that's what Philistines said. I don't know. Maybe David still had some connections with them from 1 Samuel we read about, and they were just saying, we'll just see what happens. I don't know. 
But when it was a consolidated nation and the people were unified and the people were being blessed by God, the enemy came against them. Dear friend, God's not going, the devil's not going to come against you when you're discouraged or when you're in sin because you're walking in the same direction. He'll come against you when you're right with the Lord and, and he's blessing you. And so the Philistines show up and they're trying to stop the blessings of God is what they're doing. They're trying to stop David. And what did David do? David heard about it and he went to pray. He went to the stronghold and he prayed. Do you have a stronghold where you go to pray? Get a stronghold where you go to pray. And David prayed, Lord, should I go up? And God said, go up. I'll give you victory. And the Bible says David did. And look what happened. Verse 20 and David came to Baal Perazim, and David smote them there and said, The Lord hath broken forth upon mine enemies, therefore, uh, before me, as the breach of waters. Therefore, he called the name of the place Baal Perazim. And there they left their images, and David and his men burned them. So after you pray and obey God, and he gives you the victory, the second thing you need to do is give God a testimony. Give a testimony for the Lord. David went and fought that battle, and they won. It was a major victory. David's first victory against the, the number one enemy in the Old Testament, David's first victory, and he won big. God gave him it, and David said, This is wonderful. I'm going to name this place. The Lord broke out. Baal Perazim. He named it. Today we'd put a plaque there or a monument there. He named it Baal Perazim. Now, if you're keeping up with the notes in 2 Samuel, circle that word because in a couple of weeks we're going to come back to it. But Baal Perazim, the Lord has broken out against our enemies. So that was a testimony. That was a testimony to Israel. Every time they'd go by that battlefield, they'd say, this is where God gave us a victory. Let me ask you something. Do you have... Names in your life where God's given you victory and you still bear testimony to it? Do you ever sit your children down and say, I want to share a testimony with you about what God did for your mama and daddy or what God has done for our family? You ever have, you have those times? And you sit down with them and you say, Bel Perazim, this is where God broke out and blessed. But there's a second testimony that David gave. Not only did he give one to his people Israel, but he also gave testimony to the Philistines themselves and the enemies of God. When the Philistines fled the battle, they left the idols. Now their idols were, well, just crazy stuff. Half man, half fish. And they left their idols. They fled, left their gods in the field. And David went and got them and burned them and destroyed them, smashed them up to ashes and dust, burned them down, and was a testimony. David was saying, your God is dead. Your gods are dead and burned up. Our God burned you up. Our God's the one true God. Our God's the one who wins. Our God's the one who pray, who hears prayer. Our God will not turn his prayer away from his people. Our God blesses us with victory. Your God is gone and burned up. 
And so when God gives you a victory, you need to bear testimony to the saints of God, and you need to also bear testimony to the lost. And don't hesitate to tell them, you know why I won this victory? Because my God lives. That's what you do. My God lives. That's why I've got this victory. A third thing is, uh, do not drop your guard. Do not drop your guard. Because just because you won one victory does not mean you'll win the next. Because he's coming back. Look what happened in verse 22. And the Philistines came up yet again. Can you imagine? I, 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 I thought about this I, this morning, early this morning, taking a walk. I thought about this. I thought about it last week. I thought about it last month. I said, Lord, were, were these generals, these Philistine generals, did they have any sense? I mean, their gods have been burnt up. They got beat. You know, I mean, the Gentile kings around them are coming to David and saying, we want to build you a house, and they still go against Israel. You know, and the Lord, the Lord didn't say a word to me. He just let me stew. But I want to tell you what, you think about it, this is just how we are. We're persistent. Well, this was a persistent enemy. Let me tell you, the devil... And the world and the flesh are all persistent. You know, one mistake a person makes when they become a Christian, here's a mistake they make. They think that they are going to get better. No, sir. I've been a Christian for 52 years. And my stinking, sinful, wicked flesh is just as wicked as it was before I was saved. It never improves. It never gets better. Mike Barnett does not get better. I yield to the Holy Spirit day by day, moment by moment sometimes, and my strength is in the Lord. But I do not get better, and you don't either. That's why when you go to pray, you can't pray because your flesh is pulling against it. You go to read your Bible, you get frustrated. You don't understand none of it. That's not because you're an ignoramus. It's because you're a wicked flesh. And you've got to battle it every day. And it keeps coming back. And the devil keeps coming back. And the world keeps coming back. Folks, this is good preaching. How come you're not getting excited about this? Amen. I mean, I'm telling you something that you need to hear. Because you're discouraged. And you think you're a second-class Christian. And it's not. You, you're, a, you're in Christ Jesus, but your flesh is wicked and sinful. That sin nature's still in you. And it won't be gone till you get glorified. And I'm looking at you. Not a one of you glorified. <laughs> Amen. Not a one of you. And that's the pot calling the kettle black. But I won't tell you, it keeps coming back. That's why you've got to keep on battling with that besetting sin. The devil interjected in something to you 15 years ago, and you yielded it, and you seem to, and that's what he keeps coming back with, and he motivates the flesh in the world to help him. It keeps coming back. Do not let your guard down. Do not let your guard down. Keep it up, regardless of what your besetting sin is. It might be a bad attitude. It might be an attitude sin, an action sin. It might be a sin of omission, something you ought to do that you don't do. Keep your guard up. Your victory on earth has to be won again. Amen? And then, number the fourth thing, verse 23a, pray. 
Wait a minute, wait a minute. Preacher, you already mentioned prayer. You could have cut this sermon shorter if you hadn't mentioned prayer twice. How many times did David pray in this text? Once when the enemy first came, and then again when the enemy comes again. You need to keep on praying. Always, always pray. David prayed again. Now let me share something with you to kind of illustrate why twice prayers in this text. It's the same enemy, same army against them. I mean, what, why did he have to pray? Well, we're going to talk about that in a minute, but let me share something with you about prayer in the time when you need victory. When Jesus went up to the Mount of Temptation and he prayed, remember that? And he fasted and prayed. If you read the accounts of Scripture, Mark gives us a brief account, but Matthew and Luke give us a little bit more detail. And if you go to Matthew, you read that um, uh, Jesus prayed after the temptation. But if you read Luke, he prayed during the temptation. And liberals will holler about that, and they'll say, Oh, you're crazy because the Bible's full of predictions. He prayed before. Let me tell you, it's common sense. Jesus prayed before, he prayed during, and he prayed after. He prayed without ceasing. And that's how we need to pray. And then another thing, you need to obey God. Look at verse 23 through 24. And David inquired of the Lord and said, Thou shalt not go up, but fetch a compass behind them and come upon them over against the mulberry trees. And let it be when you hear the sound of going into the tops of the mulberry trees that then thou shalt bestir thyself. For then shall the Lord go out before thee smite and smite the host of the Philistines. You obey God in the particulars. You obey God. David saw the enemy the first time, prayed, and the Lord said, go on up. David went head on. Second time they come about, God said, should I go up? And God said, nope, don't go up. Go behind them. Go, go to the grove of mulberry trees. Your, your Bible may say a different kind of tree. It's a translation issue. But go behind the, the mulberry trees and come up from behind them. And this, this is obeying God in the particulars. In all thy ways acknowledge him. The light he is, the, the, big, the big picture, but also the lamp, the small path you walk on. God does different things in different ways to win your battles. God is a remarkable God of variety. Methods are not the issue, folks. Listen, you do not win victories for the Lord with a formula. Don't let anybody ever tell you, well, you got to say this and this. No, no, no. God, let me tell you how you win your victories. Obedience, obedience, obedience. You pray, and you pray with an open Bible. And you ask God to give you wisdom from his word. And God said to David, no, go behind them. There's a different way. Look, don't be a formula Christian. Be an obedient Christian. Let's not be a program oriented. You know, the programs that worked in 1950 may not work today because God wants you to do a different one. You know why? He does not want us to be a church that relies and says, this program has been a blessing. He wants to say, God has been a blessing. And when his people obey God, one of the most dangerous, deadly words in the church is the word tradition. That's good preaching, even if the traditionists don't like it. 
God does something different. God says, you go from behind. And then he said something remarkable. When you hear the marching in the tops of the mulberry trees, then you go out. That's interesting, isn't it? Now, what is that marching in the top of the mulberry trees? What does that mean? Well, some say it was the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit moved in the trees, moved the trees, and sent the people out to fight, and they won. Could be. You don't have a problem with that. Others say, well, that was the angelic hosts. We read about them in the Bible. Absolutely. Could have been the angels up there marching around, stirring up the trees. And then some would say, well, it was the wind. When God sent a wind, it came through and blew the trees, and they knew they were to march. So, Dr. Mike, what do you think it is? I don't know. And you don't either. And all those books I read about it, they don't either. If I ever write a book, it's not going to be about something I don't know. But they write books about it. So what if it was the Holy Spirit? Well, praise the Lord. Did you know you have the Holy Spirit if you're saved to guide you? The book of Romans teaches us that. What if it was the angels of God? Well, did you know you have the angelic host at your beck and ministry that God sends them to minister to you? I think it would scare the starch out of us if we saw the angelic work going on in the invisible world. Amen. So that could be. You know, you never know what the angels are doing for you. Well, what, preacher, what if it was the wind? Well, what if it was? Can't God providentially blow in a circumstance that gives you common sense to act? So either way, you got God's spirit, you got God's host, and you got God's wisdom. One or the other. I just shot down a thousand years of theological debate. And then another thing about winning the victory. Don't until God does and do until God doesn't. You want me to say that again? Don't until God does and do until God doesn't. Don't you move, David, till you hear the marching in the trees. And David said, I need a scribe over here. God, we're going to sit down and discuss for, for a, a few hours just what that means. Nope, God said, you'll know, because I'm going to lead you. I guarantee you, God's not going to send you a message that you don't understand. His word is written to be understood. And then the seventh thing, you do this. You make your victory complete. Look at verse 25. And David did so. He obeyed God. As the Lord had commanded him and smote the Philistines from Geba until thou come to Gazer. Isn't that remarkable? 20 miles. Folks, you slay that besetting sin hard. Don't show mercy. Take no prisoners. That's how you get victory. That's how you get victory. I know it's late, but I'm going to do, do this. Let me give you some lessons and then we'll go. Listen to this. Number one, God's blessings always come with His Word, obedience to His Word. 
Always does. You obey his word, he'll bless you. Number two, be patient. Your blessings will come when you obey. This blessing was 22 years in the making. It's been 22 years since David was anointed king by Samuel and his father's sheep, keeping his father's sheep. Civil war, bloodshed, everything, but God was preparing him and his blessings came. So keep being faithful. Your blessing's coming. Number three, share your blessings. Don't hoard them. Share them. Number four, do not let your blessings be the measure of your spiritual well-being. Obedience is the measure of your spiritual well-being. Prayer and the Word of God, are you lined up with the Word of God? That is your spiritual well-being. Number five, pray, pray with an open Bible. Pray and pray with an open Bible for the blessings of victory. Let me share something with you, folks, as we close. Now listen to this. You've got to get this. I think many people never get the blessing of victory over a besetting sin or over anything because they do not ask God for it. They just don't pray. And if they pray, they don't obey. They don't pray with an open Bible to find out what God's will is, what God's Word says. And they don't ask, and when they ask, they ask amiss by disobedience. I think victory comes through prayer. Amen and amen. Let's stand for our song of appeal. Is there a decision for Jesus you need to make today? A decision to obey the Lord? What is He leading you to do? We're here to help you. Cole and I will be up front. And uh, you come as we sing. This is Cole Andrews. Thank you for tuning in to our sermon podcast. I just wanted to encourage you to visit our website, fbcosms.com.